So would you open your Bible quickly to Colossians chapter 1? I'm going to lead you this morning to some scripture verses which you normally don't open up for Christmas. Why? Because when we talk about Christmas, we think about all kinds of different things. How many of you know when we talk about Christmas, there are some scripture verses, maybe some uh, thought patterns, maybe some traditions that are popping up in our mind. We can't help it. Some of us have good experiences, like I personally and I grew up, I have very fond memories of Christmas with my family. But we also think about in the church maybe the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. We're talking about Mary, the young virgin, who was supernaturally carrying Jesus Christ. We're talking about Jesus eventually ending up in a manger when he should have been in a Hilton. We're talking about the innkeeper in Bethlehem who uh, didn't have any room for him. We're talking about angels appearing in the sky to the shepherds saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. If you have opened your Bible to that verse, that's by the way found in Luke 2. All people, how many of you know when God says, I bring good news to all people, he means all people. So to all people, he brings good news. We know that the star lit up one day, a wise man from the east followed that star and eventually found the young boy Jesus in Nazareth. We know that the heavenly host was praising God, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So we think about all these things. But this morning I want to show you that many times we miss some incredible truth which we just kind of put to the back or may never have heard of. Let's read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and following. He, that is talking about Jesus Christ, the one who was born in Bethlehem, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. You see that? To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You can see right there that a lot of people would, would read those scriptures first and say, that has not much to do with Bethlehem. It has not much to do with anything. But how many of you know when Jesus came, he walked down here on earth, he came for many different purposes. The one we normally always focus on is he came for me. I mean, for me. He came and went to Calvary. He gave his life for me. But there is so much more to it, I think a few reasons why we should celebrate Christmas the way we have never celebrated before. 
For God became a man. Think about that for a second. God became a man. Why? To join his human family. We are his family. He has created us. The ultimate purpose why Jesus came to this earth as God is to join us, his human family. The Hebrew writer says it this way in chapter 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, that's birth, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. To do the will of the Father. Here's a little test for all of you students. What is the will of the Father? That you believe? That's a good beginning. Let's see if we can come up with some more. What is truly God's will? Okay. I think we're going to have definitely the cart before the horse. Let's do that right. The ultimate reason why Jesus said, I have to come to do the Father's will, is to bring that family which belongs to him, which he created, makes it back to him again. In the Garden of Eden, God lost his family. Remember that story of the prodigal son? That's what Jesus brings across. The father never gives up constantly pursuing his family, his creation. The problem is that his creation, like so many before us, is extremely rebellious. We are running as fast as we can. You and I know as parents, if we experience that, that the children just run from us as fast as they can, we have a rebellion on our hands. God had a rebellion on his hands. On the Sunday Son, and Jesus said, all the sin offerings and all the sacrifices, they can never do what only Jesus can do. To bring God's family back to God. In other words, right there, my friend, there is nothing you and I can offer to God to make us coming back to his family. He already offered that. That's why Jesus came. That's God's will. God never gave up on the human family plan. Never. Did he have reason to do so? I would say yes. He sure had reasons. But he never gives up. He could have scrapped the plan entirely. Adam and Eve blew it, so forget about it. God didn't give up. He had a plan, and God executes eventually his plan in the fullness of time. All God wanted is that the people which he is pursuing would believe in him and show that they believe in him by living in harmony with him and with one another. How difficult is that to understand? All God wanted is that you and I would believe in him, that he is our heavenly father, that he has accomplished everything to his son, and that we act that belief out 
by having relationship, healthy relationship with him and with one another. I look at the landscape of the Christian community, especially in the Western world, and I say, we have a lot of talk on the very little walk. And one of the greatest dangers we are facing right now in America is everybody wants to be busy doing things for God. Listen, God doesn't need to be busy. Busyness kills relationship. God wants you to believe. Believe that he's done it. And then have a relationship with him. And a relationship with your fellow man that pleases God. Not much work involved. You say, Pastor, if we would do that, nobody would get the job done. We're going to look at that a little later. Not in 17 minutes. But I want to give you quickly the reason why Jesus had to become man. How many of you know that God is a covenant God? And how many of you know, unlike we, God keeps his covenants? So he made three specific covenants. They are major. One of them was in the Garden of Eden. When they blew it, he promised that there will be one coming from the seed of the woman that will actually correct the problem. He made a covenant. When Jesus came, he was the solution what happened in Eden. No other human being could have done that. The first sermon the Apostle Peter preaches, recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. We summarize it. Man of Israel, Peter said, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that got to him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Sinless lamb cannot be held hostage by evil powers. Jesus came to solve that problem. Did he do it? Yes. Second covenant God made. After he gave over to the nations, the nations to evil, sons of God, wanted to have their own worship. God took Abraham out and said, I start brand new with you. I start a nation. Out of that nation comes the promised Messiah. The man was first called Abraham, and later on God changed his name to Abraham. I want you to know what God made and said in that covenant. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 12, three verses. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And listen to this. And in you, a few families in America will be blessed. What did you read? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. The blessings are found in that covenant. 
How could that covenant be fulfilled? We all know Abraham was not always a straight shooter. But in Matthew chapter 1, that's what everybody reads during the Christmas celebration, but don't understand. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, we get the hint how God fulfilled the covenant. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus is a direct descendant of Abraham. That's why the genealogy is laid out. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 to 18, Paul is hitting that home. He says, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, plural. Referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring. Listen to this. Who is Christ? That little baby that was laying in Bethlehem was an offspring of Abraham, the promised seed. This is what I mean, Paul said. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it, is no, it no longer comes by promise. Listen to this. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. How much can you and I do to inherit the promise? Can't work it, can we? The law is not for that purpose. Jesus came to fulfill that. He is the solution to the Abrahamic covenant. He is the one who fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. And then there's the Davidic covenant, where God made a promise to King David. said, David, I'm going to enter into a covenant relationship with you. You shall never have a king not sitting on the throne, as long as these kings, your descendants, obey me. How well did they do? Not too well. The one who came after David, Solomon, already blew it. But God says, but you shall have a one sitting on your throne forever. And who could that be? It's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the descendant of David. That's what we just read. The descendant of Abraham, the descendant of David. So he was the rightful king of the Jews. He had the ancestry, and he was perfectly loyal to God. That's why he said, I have come to do your will. Jesus is the only human being walking on this planet who never disobeyed God. Never. Absolutely loyal. He never committed any sin. And he is the ultimate image. Why is that so important for Christmas? Well, the churches are filled with people who are not images of God when it comes to that. Because they don't have Jesus as their example. 
Jesus is our example. Jesus is the ultimate image. You say, I can never attain to that. You're right. Paul said to Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, listen, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to glory, of glory to another. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus came. You said, no, Jesus came to save me from my sins. Well, he did an awful job because you're still sinning. No, Jesus came to do the Father's will, to fulfill these covenants. Not only were the covenants God made with Adam and Eve, with Abraham, King David, at risk by the rebellion people showed towards God, but overcoming all misery caused by supernatural rebellions, which also happened. That was a stake. This is why it says that he has reconciled all things in heaven, in the spiritual, as well as on earth. He had to take care of all these problems all at once. And we need to understand that those rebellions required God becoming a man. It was necessary. Because God joining his human family set the stage for the coming Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Let me give you a little list. Because God became a man, he could die. That could only be defeated by resurrection. Can't fake it. Because God resurrected Jesus Christ, death was overcome. That's why you and I in him can have eternal life. The promise made in Eden was fulfilled right there. Once Jesus rose from the dead, he had to return to heaven. Read the Gospels. Read the Gospel of John especially. He had to return to the Father. This was a precursor to sending the Holy Spirit who will or would indwell all believers. Jesus had to leave so the Holy Spirit could come. You say, why? Couldn't he have come too? No. He had to take his rightful throne next to the Father in heaven before the Father could send the Holy Spirit to indwell the believers. And the coming of the Spirit was the fulfillment of the new covenant clearly described in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel, which Jesus referred to at the Last Supper, by the way, when he said, this blood is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. Promised. God had to become a man to fulfill all the terms of the covenant himself. How many of you would have to say, that's a radical solution? Yes. Do you know, that's the true message of Christmas. That's why he came. Christ becoming a human being, 
himself to bring his children back home to be with him. Why do you and I need the Holy Spirit? Well, for beginners, you couldn't live the life of Christ without him. But there's more to it. The only way that God's kingdom can advance is by those who are spirit-filled. All religious people can bring a lot of people to church and entertain them. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having the Holy Spirit living in you because the only spirit and power the enemy of God in the spiritual harm fears is not you. It's the one who lives in you. It is the power of the Holy Spirit who gives you life and the power of the Holy Spirit who makes other people have their eyes opened so they can see who God is and they want to come into the family of God. It has nothing to do with joining a church. It has nothing to do with all the things we normally do in religion. It has something to do with you and me coming into the family of God, believing in him, and then living accordingly. If we don't live, we don't believe. It's that simple. Jesus didn't come to say, believe in me. No, he said, follow me. Every day, 24-7, we represent him. And when we have challenges and when things coming towards us, my friends, the Holy Spirit is more powerful than any problem we could ever face. When we cannot tear down the walls between our families when we get together for Christmas because we have problems, the Holy Spirit can do it if you stay out of the way. The Holy Spirit can do things which none of us can accomplish. And the kingdom of God can only be accomplished and advanced if you and I stay out of the way of the Holy Spirit and let him use us when he pleases. It is his work. And that's why Jesus came, so we can have him. Without Jesus coming in human flesh and doing what he did, you and I could never have the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, we can't be a part of God's family. God will have his family. That's not the answer at the question. The question is, are you a part of it? And let me tell you, he wants each one of you to be a part. The decision is yours. It's not done with an altar call. It's not done bow your head, close your eyes, and your mind, and then say a few words. That's not the way you become a family member of God. Believe that Jesus came so he can get you back to the Father, into his family. Embrace that. Then listen, let this truth transform you every day so you become more and more built up and walk as an imager of God Almighty. There are plenty of people out there who still need to hear the truth. And it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a radical solution to a huge problem. But God has it. He done it. He fulfilled it all. You and I can celebrate if we embrace him and him alone. Amen? Amen. The greatest offering you could ever give to the Lord is yourself. Something which you 
personally have to come to grips with. I surrender to Him, Lord. I've played the game. I've been a Christian by name only. I still have my own show. But today I have heard that you came not just to play a game, but you came to join us so we can follow you. You came so that you can get me back into your family. And once I'm in your family, you are the leader of my life. You will guide me, you will direct me, and you will use me for your glory. May today be the day where you can say, Lord Jesus, I now understand. This is about you and me. This is about your family. And I want to be a part of it. Take some time to think about that as we take the offering so that the work of the Lord can keep on going here in Jewel and around the world. as the offering basket goes by if you have a prayer request or you maybe this morning said Lord I really want to serve you just put a little piece of paper in the offering and say please pray for me that I can stay the course God bless you